Hello and welcome to the first episode of Miller's Game Room in 2022, aka episode 9 because new year, new starts and hopefully lots of good things will happen this year which um, yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, yeah, a lot to think about. Yeah, I've got a few notes here to do, talk about today, um, got a bit, little bit of new stuff, there's not much because well it's Christmas so it's, unless it's Japan, there's like nothing to talk about. And um, also about the games I've been playing and also the topic at the end, which is about some games I hope to try to beat in 2022, which um, I've got like a little picture because I got them off the shelf and took a little photo and I'm going to talk about them while the photo's in front of me. So, which is a nice little accessibility prompt instead of writing even more notes and scroll down, which is just going to be a bit awkward to look at, but that aside... Um, first off, um, happy holidays, happy new year. I hope 2022 is absolutely amazing for the people listening to this. All, um, the single figure digit of regular viewers that this podcast has according to my analytics, which is more than I thought would ever listen. So thank you very much for tuning in. And I'm hoping to, um, try to stream again soon. Like I've said that before, but I'm hoping... Once I've finished Mega Ten Five, which I'm really close to the end of, and I'll talk about it more later, I'll be able to have a stream game and a game I play in my own time to hopefully organise things, assuming I can manage my anxiety, because that's a pain. I'll start with the news. Um, the main bits, um, there's the, a lot of people will have heard of this one, so I'm going to talk about it first, but uh, TV Assassin did a poll, and uh, 50,000 Japanese fans voted for it. Uh, they're the top 100 games, uh, whether it can be either Japanese or Western, or from anywhere really. And the top 100 was released, and um, a really interesting list, and I've picked out a few things which I thought was interesting. So, um, the top three was, well, you probably know it is already, because it was like, during the holiday season. But there was Final Fantasy VII was number three, Dragon Quest V, Hands of Heavenly Bride was number two, and Breath of the Wild was number one, which I found Breath of the Wild a bit surprising, to be honest, because it's such a recent game. Especially compared to the rest, there were actually quite a lot of modern games. Like Splatoon 2 and Animal Crossing New Horizons were like numbers 4 and 5, which was surprising. Which I found that interesting. But I mean, Dragon Quest 5 and Final Fantasy aren't surprising because in Japan they're basically iconic games. And even in the West as well, in the case of Final Fantasy 7. Uh, Chrono Trigger was 7th, which um, I thought would be a bit higher to be honest. Um, every Dragon Quest mainline game is in the top 100 somewhere, so literally like like 1 to 11, um, I believe, but I'll leave the list below so people can see for themselves. Um, other things as well, Tales of the Abyss was 53rd, and to be fair it's a fucking amazing game, uh, Xenoblade is 43rd, and Xenoblade 2 is 35th, so like, a lot of people consider the, the first game to be better, but in this poll the second game got 35th, which was interesting. Persona games just about made it in there, so Persona 3 is like number 100. Uh, number four is like in the 90s, so not much higher, like probably like 1997. And number five's over there. Number five is there, so. Persona 5 Vanilla Virgin's 42nd, but Royal is 93rd. And I find that a bit weird because they had the Vanilla version and the, the Royal as a separate entry. And I can kind of see why the Royal version is lower, partly because it was a re-release that came out so soon after the vanilla P5 and was exclusive to the PS4, so... And in Japan, people are broadly moving over to other consoles now, like the Switch and mobile, we're not playing on PlayStation. 
And also, Kingdom Hearts, the first game is 49th. Kingdom Hearts 2 is 16th. Undertale is 13th. So that was uh, interesting. Interesting range of results. And yeah, there were a few Western games as well, but I don't know those down because they're not particularly interesting Western games, to be honest. Also, something else that's come up lately as I was editing this is that Square Enix uh, published a letter on New Year's Day from the president of the, of the group on their website, which is basically a long letter saying they plan to implement things like NFTs and blockchain mechanics and stuff in their games, maybe decentralized, which is their term for it, which is, it was a very, it's very bad to put it frankly. It's basically saying that people actually want, like trying to sell NFTs to people or specifically shareholders and other rich people that have far too much money for their own good. And basically just, just shill it. It just will, it's basically saying that there are people out there that don't want to play games for fun. They want to play it as an investment, which is ridiculous because as I think I talked about NFTs before on the podcast in the news because publishers are shit at this thing. There was Ubisoft with all that crap. There was another game from like Stalker 2 or something that basically the backlash was so strong like, oh shit, we're going to have to remove them now because people are getting upset and rightfully so, by the way. So there's it's just a mess and it's just... I mean, the, the, the bizarreness doesn't really surprise me because, of, as I've mentioned before, extensively about Square Enix and their decisions, but also because they've been releasing a lot of things on Epic Games Store lately and not Steam, because like, Steam banned NFTs from the Steam Store, which is a good thing. Like, Valve are a shit company too, but banning NFTs is objectively the right thing to do. With Epic Games, they don't have a ban, and it meant that things like Neo, The World's End of You were put as an exclusive on the Epic Games Store, and hence is not selling anywhere near as well as it could on Steam. Same with the Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was also a very shitty port, by the way. Don't get those games on Steam, but it makes sense that they want to suck up to the idea of NFTs and blockchains and further show the degradation of late-stage capitalism and the, the whole the destruction of the planet, because... That's what using up all these NFT chips has caused. They're contributing to the shortage and more environmental damage from all these processes running, and it's just ridiculous. And now Square Enix, a company that had to stop selling their most popular MMO, or get one of the most popular games ever as well, because of people buying up NFT chips, which is, like, as someone who wants to play games for fun and enjoys games, it just, if it doesn't interest me, when the vast majority of people that play games will also not be interested and that's why the backlash to nfts are so strong it's like in the letter as well the president compares the backlash towards nfts to dlc and microtransactions when that's not the same thing like there are definitely issues of dlc and microtransactions especially in the, the field of late stage capitalism specifically when companies like take advantage of it to exploit exploit players like cutting content out from their game to sell as dlc or putting like crappy costumes separately or songs and that kind of thing that were done before the game came out but were split or locked on disc and stuff but some of it can be handled quite well like like marica 8's dlc was handled quite well in the sense of uh, it was uh expanded the game significantly provided actual value and xenobate 2 as well and that's some redeeming value for dlc not for microtransactions, because that is something you can't redeem yourself for. But with NFTs, it doesn't have that value at all. The only people that will really invest in NFTs and that shit are rich people that already have far too much money. 
and are already causing so much harm to the planet. And I mean, yeah, some of them will be gamers, but a very small number of people will buy them. It's it's this is basically posturing to people that don't play games, or if they do, just don't have too much money. And I can't see these NFTs or whatever the infinite games actually doing well commercially. Especially if it goes into like a dumpster fire like Marvel's Avengers. Alright, the second bit of news is basically a couple of Yuri VN announcements for Switch, which was interesting. Um, the first one was um, kind of the more near one, but uh, IML, who did the ports for the uh, Anaplex EXE games, announced Secret Kiss is Sweet and Tender. So I've never heard of that, but it's nice to see devs start releasing these Yuri VNs on on Switch and PC, and it'll be a, a, a um, I think it'll be an, yeah, a worldwide release, which is quite interesting. Like, I don't care for this game, like, at all, but it's nice to actually see that, that it's a thing. And the other thing is, um, the one I'm more interested in is, um, there's a developer called, um, Sukiro Sparrow, and a subsidiary like Suko Sumero, which is, like, branding and stuff that these VN companies use. And their latest project, um, Oshirabu Waifus Over Husbandos plus Love or Die, which is um, a combi pack of both games. They've already been out on PC for a while, but they were announced for Switch and Prototype are porting it. So that basically means it's got English. We've seen on the website as well, it's all English on the website. So, and that'll be next year. And we'll probably get physical because Prototype tends to release a lot of physical versions of their games, which, um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm looking forward to that because that is one I want to see, partly because. The other game that they released in the in the West was um, the Expression Emeraldo Kotonoho Emeraldo, which is what it's originally called in Japanese, where it's basically part language learning game because it features Esperanto, and part Yuri VN, which I do want to see come eventually. Which I reckon if this does well, it probably will get ported, especially that, especially because it's like it's been out for a while, translation's been done, so hopefully that happens, but. That's the main reason I'm interested in the um, Oshirabu. Alright, the second thing, in terms of VN news, aside from the Yuri stuff, was something that actually came out the day I uploaded the last episode. And it's the fan translation for White Haven 2. So, this is, in the VN community, quite big news, because it's, like, one of the highest rated VNs that hasn't had a localization at all. Like, in terms of an official release at this point, and yet it's fan translation after, like, eight years is finally out. It's finally, like, complete, so to speak. So it was it was by, like, the, the, the fan translation group that did the first patch, but they redid it significantly to Dakano TL. And it includes some things like anime, like, cutscenes, like, like subtitling the anime cutscenes, backporting PS3 CGs, translating, like, all of the introductory chapter again, then all of closing chapter, which is the second half of the game, and the 50-hour meat block, which is a lot. Uh, then Coda, which is some kind of after story. And um, it's the massive game, and it's quite big news. And personally for me, it's one of my... It's probably like, if you take away LGBTQ media and Otome games, it's the, it's the game I want to see localised the most. It's by Aquaplus, who did Utawa Omino, which I've praised in the past on here. So I'm interested in it, and I've already got the game ready to play, actually, because the downside of it is that it is the fan-translated, like, PC release, which is 18+, so unfortunately there is a bit of anti in it, which is quite, it used to be quite typical for Aqua Plus to develop that content, and they've moved away from it since this game, and 
I don't really want to have to sit through that to play the game, but it's like it's an it's kind of a necessary evil because if if someone was to patch the console version, that's that's a whole other thing. An official release is not like to happen anytime soon because of how big the game is. Like Rewrite Plus came out in December as well, and that took three years to translate again after the fan translation, which um was uh if that's how long these games take and I do not see Outcast Plus releasing it officially anytime soon. Partly also because they're focusing on Utah and Umumomo, they're basically milking that to near death basically. Even though Monochrome Mobius looks cool, but I don't see them going back to this game. And I don't and I'm hoping in the future that the console versions or at least the Vita version also gets a patch with this translation because it's the same content that came out on consoles on the PS3 and in the PS Vita. But yeah, I talked about it before, and it is like a game that I do really want to play. Alright, moving on to the next section, which is basically about games I've played, which um, I said I'd touch on one of them in the end of the last episode, but I haven't actually played much more of it since, but I'll get on to that later. And first off, I'll start with um, SMT5, which I mentioned before, which I'm nearly done with. I mean, like the final section, like the part of the game where you Atlas blocks you from taking screenshots, like the... I don't know if I should name it, but... It's basically that area, and I'm really close to the end. I got stuck on a, a boss, which I'm going to hopefully... Hopefully by the time this episode goes up, I'll actually have beaten the game. And I will have been, like, got nothing but good things to say about it. And so far, that is very much the case. I'm going for the neutral ending. I'm already locked into the neutral ending. Because I didn't want to, like, have, like, the whole, like... I didn't want to align myself much. I, I feel like with S&T, if I'm going to play I want to get the neutral ending first, because kind of like the best of both sides in a way or well, maybe not the best but you're kind of avoiding taking too heavy a side even though there are a lot of the themes of smt is like taking sides between order and chaos i was trying to go for the the secret ending which you could which you have to get by first like going on starting that neutral ending route but when i looked up the walkthrough there was a side quest that at the end of this side quest you um there's one character that when you fight them, you have a choice to either save them or kill them. And I killed them. And for this for this ending to work, you were not supposed to kill them. You are supposed to spare them. So I got myself locked out of that ending. And I didn't know until afterwards. So I'm like, you know, I'll just finish it on neutral anyway. But I'll just YouTube the, end, the other endings because I ain't got bloody time to replay this game like four times. But yeah, there is walkthroughs out there for the endings. So if you're still playing the game and trying to get the endings, I'd suggest just looking the walkthrough up. I definitely recommend doing a side quest though because the side quests in this game are, are generally quite fun, quite easy and there's one little area of the first area you go in, like the desert area, the, the abandoned area with Tokyo Tower that you can only get to by accepting a quest like really quite close to the end of the game. Like you accept it and it gives you a warp point to this particular area and you go and it's a nice little area. But yeah, it's nice, and I really enjoyed it, and also having fun, like, customising all my demons, getting all the getting all the re repels and blocks in, all the perhaps to resist your spells, and uh, also got Mara the Penis in my party, so there's me, the demon god, and Mara the Penis, and um, other demons as well, but uh, aren't as ridiculous as Mara the Penis, by the way. Mara is a, uh, a noticeable outliner. That aside, um... I'm going to talk about Thuraiki now. Um, that's um, that's the game I started before. It's kind of like 
it's something I'll chip away at casually over time because this is basically part photography, part Busojevian. And what this is, is that you be journalist to you play as, as a main character. The plot is basically you go to Gifu for a contest and you've got to take photos of the area and, space and travel around on your motorbike. And the thing with this, it's basically like, it makes it unique, the Furaiki series, because it's a long-running series. It's been going since um, it was, the original Furaiki was released on the PlayStation 1, the original PlayStation. And you go, it's basically like, it features realistic images of Japan. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like looking at it through Google Maps, if that makes sense. Like you can look around, You ha it's, like, it's, like you're, it's like when you're on the van. It's kind of like when you have the, you're on Google Maps and you see the van, you know the photo is taken from a van. It's like you're taking on that perspective in the game, except it's like you're, you're playing as the person. You can look around, you can see what's going on. So the, and it doesn't and the quality like sometimes the quality of the photos like you can it feels like I'm playing Google Maps which is a good thing because it's really unique and there's also like love interests which are basically like anime drawings which like it's really weird like you see like is this I don't know people like standing up and in this drawing and like and it's like this person standing next to their bike and they're an anime drawing but the ground is like a photograph of a real concrete ground it's really weird and the other scene that early in the game which i got up to was the um and one anime heroine that you bump into in the library ends up like on on the floor and it's kind of like typical scenes where the person's like oh i'll help you pick up your books and this person's like on the floor and you can like it's just weird because you can see this anime drawing on the floor and it looks like it actually looks it actually blends in incredibly well actually like like it's like if you replaced with a real person, it it wouldn't look much different, and that's a really good thing. And I I like I just like the the contrast of it. Like, um, it is of course um, part photography. So anytime you can basically take a photograph, you press a button, you can go to photo mode, you can blur and filter in and out and that kind of thing. It's really cool, and it's like as someone who's actually been to Japan, it's. It's weird because I, I'm tend my tentative feeling is that it is quite it is like an incredible experience, but I'm gonna go into the cons later. But I'm it's like I've been to Japan, I've studied abroad in Japan. I didn't go to Gifu, but I went somewhere else. Um but this is basically like it takes you back like at one point early in the game you're in well there's a library like I mentioned before, that you go into the library, it's as if you're back in the library. But the one point that really stood out to me was a scene before then where you're in a service station and you go in the service station and you see the, the signs where it's kind of difficult to describe, but it was, it's like, it felt like I was back in Japan and like this service station in particular is quite open during the day. You could see the signs of leaving the, tra leaving the transport in like Japanese and English, which is really common in Japan on these service stops to accommodate foreigners and all the vending machines as well like you can see the vending machines and your little food court and then you go to like the um like one point the guy orders some food and you come up with this photo of like it's weird because it looks like the kind of thing you'd see in food ads where the photo where the photo is like altered a bit to make the food look better but at the same time it's just so nice seeing like this this bowl of ramen and 
this lovely view of like a lake in the background it just looks incredible and it's like i don't know if i'll ever go back to japan like i do want to i fully plan to try to go back eventually not during a pandemic by the way because international travel in a pandemic is a very bad idea just to remind people but i do want to go back i am not trying to go as far as say second home but i definitely feel at home there and see and being able to to get a glimpse into japan again via this game is really incredible and i do want to dig into it more the con is that it is of course all in japanese it's a a guy it's a game that you can stumble around with trial and error but you do need a wiki and i'll link a wiki in the description of the podcast as well because it was it can be hard to find a wiki especially if you don't know japanese i don't know japanese i know enough to kind of get around the menus and that kind of thing really basic stuff but i know one thing i've seen from other people who've played the game in japanese is that the writing for it is like really atmospheric and really helps is one of the highlights of the game basically from what i've heard and even trying to read look at the game for google translate because yeah i just i'm one of those people that puts a google translate up and to see what's there just to get a feel for what's going on ish which helps to understand roughly what's going on but obviously kids google translate mistakes will happen it will not be good quality and there will be errors so like you can't rely on the game of google translate you really can't but i can see glimmers of the really good writing like talking about the atmosphere and the world building because bear in mind this journalist is not from gifu the journalist is traveling to gifu so in the perspective of the game the journalist is talking about like the, the inside voice in his head talking about what he sees and the kind of atmosphere and just the the kind of like amazement at the scenery and just taking notice of all these little things it's like another scene where like he comes across a, a bike which is for one of the other heroines and he talks about like admiring this bike and then the heroine actually comes and they talk and he talks about family like the heroines like having the bike inherited and that kind of thing and it's like there's a lot of world building and it's like it's one reason i wish it would get localized and I don't think it's going to get localized because one because it is like a, a bushojo vn and unless they're on pc generally they don't tend to come over at all but that has changed in recent years with the switch but the second reason is because the game in japan is published by nipponichi software which um the, the nicer the overseas arm don't release nipponichi vns in the west so we've never got them and like la- and like last year for the switch they released quite a few like Furaki was one of them, but there were things like um, more horror stuff. There's also Bokuhini Project, which was uh, a, a cross-dressing VN, which um, was interesting because that also came to PC as well in Japanese, but no English release. Yet they've never released anything, and it's just like nicer. This nicer just don't touch them, and they, they basically they don't exist, which is a huge shame. So I don't think these are going to come out in English, but I think that especially if you can read Japanese, even this game interests you. I think it might be worth picking it up, especially as in the future it might get more on the pricier side. Like the first three Furaika games spiked in price this year when this fourth game was like a thing because people were more interested in the series. Like there's Furaiki one and two on the PS2. The first game started on PS1 but did get a PS2 port later on. And the third game was started on PC but came to the Vita. It actually released on the Vita not long after Nipponichi bought the company out. So yeah, Fog's only been a Nipponichi like subsidy for like f- like five years or so. So the games are quite expensive, and it's all probably a bit if uh, if you can't get them off the Japanese PlayStation Store because apparently they're still on there. From what I've heard, Free Rocky Free will be, but 
one and two apparently might be as well but i don't know because if i wanted them I'd, well i i'd probably try to get them physically but when the prices go down because like furaki 3 is like over 100 pounds at this point which is really ridiculous for it and finally i'm going to move on to the third game i played which um if you've seen me post about it on social media or on discords and stuff you will know what it is already but alongside furaki 4 i imported another game with a christmas gift money because that's how i got it by the way and that's uh banduri for switch it was the switch port of the popular mobile game by bushy road which imagine if you're into like like casual games you might know what it is already it's kind of like a um a vn rhythm game hybrid which um i was interested in playing and now it came to switch it's like i can actually play this like it's like it's it's basically a, a one-time purchase it's not a microtransaction infested like ugh, shit fest because the problem with phone games is like they're filled with predatory monetary design and where you get things like microtransactions that that deliberately target people with impulse control issues and stuff like that which includes disabled and neurodivergent people like myself so it's like i wouldn't be able to play it even if i wanted to so for me it was like i'm glad this version exists so i can get it and actually be safe to play it because the game's tweaked so that you don't need to like keep pick up and playing it's like waiting and having to buy things and buy gems and that kind of thing it's it's good and it's like i do like it and it's of what i can tell it's like playing on the mobile japanese service because this japanese version is not in english which is weird considering that the game has an english localization it's been out in phones in english for a while so now lack of a phone like english translation in this in this switch version is a bit confusing and it does have the the effect of like you can't you can't work unless you can get walkthroughs and stuff online you can't really work out how to play without trial and error like it's not as initiative as say like tycoon attached in or ivt colorful and also with the the game it's like it's got some good it's got some good and bad things like the good stuff is that content wise it's it picks up like the stories of each individual band like there's five bands like uh, pastel palettes resilia the other three not all the names are in English, so I don't know them all, by the way. Um, there's also, like, the overall, like, event story for the whole overarching game overall. And this is the interesting part. They have back catalogues for events. So, with these phone games, especially like in Gacha, you tend to get, like, lots of time-limited events. So, if you, if you don't play the game in a certain amount of time, you can't view the cutscene. But now this Switch version is out, you can. Especially once you unlock things, the more you play. Which is pretty incredible, actually that this content has been preserved in this Switch release. Like, even in Japanese only, it's been preserved, and it's incredible. And, and of course, it meant that I had to skip a lot of the cutscenes, because with a weird part with this game, like, to unlock a lot of the gems and stuff, you do need to, like, go through each individual, like, band story. But for me, it's like, I can't understand it, so it's literally a case of, I'll just, I'll just have it on autoplay and have it skip everything. So I unlock the gems and stuff, so I can unlock the songs, but I can't understand what's going on. In terms of songs as well, there's original songs, which are great. I really like the gameplay and the songs. Like, the gameplay is button-based. The songs are, like, up my street, like, pop, J-pop. And also, this is a part I didn't... I didn't know about this particular aspect of the game until I actually bought the game and played it. But 
it includes lots of covers of licensed songs from like anime and Vocaloid and games as well. So things like uh, Sen uh, Sen Bonzera, uh, Sen Bozenakara, the Hatsumiku one, which I've butchered and I'm really sorry. And stats as well, and a couple of IA ones like there's uh, the one by Orange Star with the IA Vocaloid, which so like has like tomorrow in the title, which is I love as well. That game, that song's great as well. And there's the one for A Cruel Angel's Thesis from Neo Genesis Evangeline, which uh, I've not watched, but the song's great. And that kind of thing. It's nice because I love these songs and it makes the game more good for me. Like, the original covers are good, but the, the custom vocal songs are great. And I'm hoping there's, I've got a lot more would be interesting. Um, I do kind of feel a bit conflicted, though, because, like, as I said, there's no English text in it. So if the Switch version does come west, and I think it will eventually, because, well, I mean, the, the mobile version did... And Bushy Road did release um, an, one game on Switch in the West, and that's like a Crayon Shinchan like game, which it looks a bit shit, but it it exists. And I'm hoping if that does happen, I'll double dip, and so I can play through this game properly, get the story content in a safe environment, and be able to fully master the game because it's kind of difficult to work out how do I get a good band B when I still don't really know what I'm doing, and it's like it takes a lot of trial and error. And of course, there's also like the little cutscenes where in between each song, you can talk to the cat, see the characters having conversations and talk to them, and like then like get gems and stuff to start spending on things and level them up. And it's a bit more complex, but I do overall really like it. And I just hope it gets an English version and physical too, and maybe also a limited edition as well. Oh, the last thing as well with the game is the Japanese physical actually does come with a couple of bonus items. There was a sticker sheet and a little card, and I think the card's meant to symbolize the gacha. As well as a little advert for the mobile game, which um, isn't surprising. Oh, and there's something else as well, which I'm forgetting. Uh, the gacha mechanic in the game, because the microtransactions aren't there, apparently it's more generous. Like, I got my first roll was, like, a bunch of four stars. Like, you can do it in ones or ten. I did tens of stuff. Like, most of my rolls for the first couple were, like, three or four stars. And then later ones were just, like, oh, just, like, one and two. But, okay. I've never played this stuff before because gacha is kind of, problematic really problematic when it leans into real money but in actual virtual stuff is fine because it's virtual and that's the way i need it to be i mean the other thing i preferred the other time i played gacha mechanics was like xenoblade 2 with the blades which was fun as well but again it's not involving real money so it's okay all right i'm going to start the final section which is going to be about games i plan to play in 2022 or Subject to change list because obviously new releases come out and I find out other games exist and apparently are pretty good. So I've got a tentative like like in front of me I've got a photograph of uh, I got all the games I wanted to play into one photo and took a photo of it so when I come back to it I can read the photograph and then as I complete stuff cross it off or drop stuff. And some of it is backlog stuff, some of it is stuff I haven't played yet. Some of it is things I'm considering like trying to stream because I'm hoping to get into streaming this year again. Like it take, it's taken me a long time to build up my confidence. Like, like if you've watched the first two episodes of this podcast or listened to it, you'll kind of see that I was a really anxious, awkward wreck, and here I am, just like a lot more confident. I'm feeling like I hope I might try, 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 finally try, try to stream again soon, and hopefully not get an anxiety attack because like whenever last time I tried to stream, I had a, like a, an anxiety attack because of something happened that was unrelated and it just ruined me for the day. So I had to stop. And I hope it doesn't happen again. So, that aside, I'm going to start with um, a 
picked out the games to try to finish. So, uh, Fata Morgana to start with. Not to say straight away, but that is the one of the games I want to finish because I started the game last year and when SMT came out, it went on the back burner. Well, actually, it was slightly before SMT came out because I knew it was getting too heavy and intense for me. But once SMT came out, it was like, yeah, it's in the case and I'm not playing it until I'm done with SMT because SMT is uh, quite dark as well. Probably even dark in far tomorrow in places. But yeah, but also gameplay to break up a bit, which is a lot to deal with. Other games I want to try to finish. Um, I want to try to see if I can finish 26 Full Read Only Memories again because. Playing that game makes me so anxious, and I had to put it down last year because I was getting so anxious playing it, and it was just, I don't know what to, to do to possibly try to not get anxious playing it. And then the other game I wanted to pick out on here to finish was um, after SMT5 and later in the year, I think, and that's Devil Survivor Overclocked, which, um, that's a, um, that's a game that I started, and, um, I do quite like it, it's just, like, it's hard, like, and this is a 3DS version where it's actually balanced more and it's just harder to put it down because it's like a 30 hour arc and I'm still going on day 3 and it's like, yeah, I'll be at this for like literally like 60 hours. And yeah, um, some of the games I'm going to attempt to, to finish as well, or start and finish. Um, GRPGs include, of course, like, um, like Groundlands of Generations, which includes just second and third Groundlands of games. Uh, Suikoden 3 which um, I'm hoping to try to see if I play it. I'm hoping that if I like it, I'll want to try the IUD Chronicle games. So that's on my list as well. Um, Skies of Arcadia Legends as well, because that's a game I got on the GameCube literally years ago. And I played it for like four hours and I did like it. And then I just put it down and never got back to it. So I'll just start over. But I liked what I played of it, and I don't think it's going to get a remaster, because if there's anything like a lot of these other companies, Sega probably lost the source code for it literally years ago, because that does happen. Like, it happened with the Ninja Gaiden remaster this year as well. Well, not this year, last year. I made that mistake already! It's 2022 now, not 2021. <sighs> yeah. Um, Vision otherwise. Um, I'm hoping to play through... Well, as I mentioned, the Far Tomorrow stuff earlier, but in terms of new games... Um, the White Haven 2 fan translation, as I mentioned earlier, which, um, as I dream localization, I will absolutely be sinking into it, and uh, it will take a while, and I'll probably cry a lot, because, well, it's Aqua Plus. And, in terms of other games, uh, there's also the original Utah Romano from Aqua Plus as well, which did get an official release, and that game is not as long, and is quite classic in the, their catalogue. And does fall under VN because it is mainly VN. It's like the other games. And other games that are VNs is like uh, Danganronpa 2. Because I played the first Danganronpa a while ago. And liked it but I haven't played the other games. And I've got the trilogy on Vita so I may as well finish them. In terms of Otome, uh, Seven Scarlet, no Tomato game. And I'd like to get some of the older Tomato stuff done before I move on to the newer stuff. Unless it's like... Like light-hearted, like Variable Barricade or Cupid Parasite, but I don't have those and don't plan to get them until they're cheaper because, God, I love really poor quality QA in Otomi releases because companies won't QA them properly and also money, but yeah. And then finally, like, Steam Prison, which is not an Otomato game, but is by uh, Hune X, which um, owns Dramatic Crate, so if you see releases from Dramatic Crate, it's basically Hune X's console porting label, so... 
that exists and hopefully they'll have more releases as well which will probably jump on my list as well especially if they go after more Atome, Yuri etc etc and yeah in terms of other like go off the other handheld games as well which um mainly like I mean like Dragon Quest 7 because I put down my list every year for the past few years and I've just not even broke the seal on it because it's a long game it's the longest game in the Dragon Quest series and it's like I don't know if I'm even gonna if I'm gonna finish it like I want I will one of these days play through it to completion but I don't know when that's gonna be and the other game I had was like Project Cross Zone 2 which I love the first game especially because it's really good to zone out to and get this amazing action music and stuff so that would be a good game to chip away at when you just want something to mash buttons with that's not very strategy based and yeah there's a, there's a few others as well but I may not open them up or play them so I'm just gonna like um not talk about them here and maybe if I change my mind I'll do them later and if any new releases come out that I really want to play that I'll play some of those if I can get them but there isn't much to be honest like um in terms of new releases that I might want to pick up um there's obviously like Trails from Zero which is not till much later in the year um there's probably like maybe if Nintendo got anything like Monolith Soft's newest game when it whenever that's announced which apparently might be this year especially because it's been like five years since Xenoblade 2 now so it's got plenty of time for a mainline mainline game Oh, and in terms of Otomi releases, um, things like Variable Barricades, um, the Otomi games that Axies are releasing, because I've forgotten the names of all of them, but the Yukiniwa was the one that interested me the most. Um, other companies as well, I hope to finally see some more Otomi from other companies that's on my radar, like, well, Broccoli stuff, like Jack Gian and Utapri and stuff like that, and just more variety in general. Maybe Mana Gay or from Mages or the Ruby Party stuff from Koei Tecmo. There's a lot. There's just way too much to go into here, but maybe one day I'll talk about it more. Uh, in terms of non-Otome, there's um, Monochrome Mobius from Aqua Plus, which looks to be like the most high-budget VN-ish, which um, also looks really cool. Um, other games, um, there's all of the games from like Chemco. There was the... Um, there was a Grand Shogi mystery game that came out from them as well, which looked cool. And a bunch of other ones as well, especially because, like, it's from the same company that breathes Raging Loop here, which was, like, a huge hit. Um, there might be some Spike Chunsoft stuff that interests me, potentially, because I know, like, I know people will probably telling me to play AI, and I've still not played AI, so I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of on the fence about Nirvana Initiative, but that's something that a lot of people are interested in. And, um, and hopefully maybe some, whatever the other game they're working on with Two Gear Games is, which looked pretty decent, actually. And, yeah, um, there's also the game from Kagado Studio, which I talked about. It was, like, the Pesojo Idol game, which, at the moment, is still releasing episodically digitally in Japan. And hopefully that will get a physical version when it's done in English, because there is one going to come out in Japanese. And also more ports and prototype as well. There was the uh, ports I talked about earlier with Oshirabu, and hopefully there'll be more as well, especially from more key and front wing stuff. Now, like Rewrite Plus is on Steam, for example, in English, and eventually that will happen, hopefully. And um, yeah, I could go on, to be honest. I could ramble for quite some time, but there's generally quite a lot coming out in Japan at the moment. And there's a lot I'd like to see as well. Like I'd also want to see Nipponichi VNs, even though I don't expect it to happen. But that's still on the wish list. And also, 
the new VN from Light, which the assets from that company were bought when they went bankrupt, and now Light's back on a new management, and they released a Megatsu Burai game, which I hope to see, but I don't expect it, but again, cool stuff, I want to see it. Um, oh, and the other game, like, the Kirby game, the Kirby 3D game, it looks so beautiful, <laughs> it looks so cute, and I love it. <sighs> yeah, our games in 2022 are pretty good, but this year will be like, I want to get old stuff beaten. And if I can get stream off the ground, that'd be good as well at the same time. So, um, I might have more detail on that when I feel comfortable. But it's just, it's just overwhelming and anxiety and doing I'm like, I've got to take things slowly and at my own pace. And I'm now talking really fast, which is a sign of anxiety. So, um, yeah. All right. I've been at this for a long time. So I'm going to stop today. Um, yeah, I think this is probably actually my longest episode yet for real. Like last time was like a special, but if longer episodes going forward are better then feedback like especially if you want more detail stuff i'm happy to go into more detail about things especially now i've done it more and i'm more confident i can talk for longer but if feedback could be nice i might even do a survey or something assume people respond to surveys which all the small handful of people that actually listen to my stuff i hope we would consider but um yeah i am done for today i'm now going to relax a bit while editing this and um yeah next episode we'll um be like, like mid to late January, which uh, will be interesting. So hopefully I have some have some interesting news and stuff to share then once the year starts again. And yeah, it's going to be a good year this year. Definitely games in general hopefully will be good as well. But we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, please like, like, follow, subscribe, favorite, and that kind of thing on your engagement platform of choice. And uh, also like. Links in the description for other stuff like social media promotion and other things like my Twitch channel, which I'm hoping to use Spring Tech Life again soon. And yeah, thank you very much. Bye bye.